This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. So as I mentioned, we have a, a guest preacher with us, uh, Pastor Jarrett, uh, who's from Massachusetts. I told him I wouldn't try to say the name of the town that he's from. You can ask him after because Massachusetts has some impossible to pronounce names. Uh, I find Spanish easier to pronounce than, than some of the cities in Massachusetts. No offense. Thank you for being here. Um, but Pastor Jared is here uh, and, and asked how he could help. And, and I was like, well, you know, uh, we'll have a lot going on this day. It'd be helpful if you could preach. And he graciously uh, said that he would love to. Uh, and so they're down here uh, working with our partner ministry, Hunger. Some of you guys know them and the community development work that we do. Um, and I think he's actually known our churches for longer than I've been around. Um, and so he's, he's, been, he's been connected for before that. Uh, but Pastor Jared, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. to be with you. The city is Worcester, and um, locals say Worcester, and different variations of that. It's about 200,000 people a bit west of Boston. We were a startup congregation, just like Trinity, uh, the number of churches in this area, and we're so glad to be here with you. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Jonah, or you can look on in uh, your bulletin, Worship God, I don't know what you call it, but that big thing of paper. And um, in Jonah, here's, uh, here's what you need to know. It's named after the main character in the book, and um, Children's Illustrated Bible, it starts it out this way. Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh, and it pictures a guy in a robe, and Nineveh is pointing this way with a sign. And then there's a sign, not Nineveh, and he is hightailing it that way. So it's kind of this surprising thing. You're like, wait, wait, that's not what a prophet is supposed to do. And um, it's kind of funny. It's a simple, beautiful, powerful story. And what I'm going to talk about is two discoveries. And if I told you what they were at the beginning, they wouldn't be discoveries. So this is God's Word. Let's read together, starting at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now Jonah is a part of a family. He's got a backstory like each of us. The word of the Lord, it means that there's a God who made this world who speaks, who is active. He's not like a watchmaker who turns things and gets them going and then just lets it run. When it says Lord there in capitals, it speaks of a God who knows and who cares. Then he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Everyone then knows Nineveh. It is the power of the world. And he says, their evil has come up before me. Call out against it. Their evil has come up before me. And what Nineveh was known for is when they would take you over, they had a policy of deportation and torture to solidify their empire. So it would make sense that there, if, if there's a God who made this world and cares about us, that he would say, I have let this go long enough. Something has to change. And then this is where we lean in in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, Tarshish, it's not just the opposite of where Nineveh is. So what it's like, it's like us being in Boston and saying we are going to take a slow bus to Argentina. Okay, it's going to take a year to get there. And Jonah says, I'm going to pay the money to do the exact opposite of what God wants. And it repeats in there. He got his ticket stamped and he is going to Tarshish. And he's not just going to a place, but it says that he is away from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah thinks it's going to work. Now, church, simple question is it going to work? No. <laughs> this is interactive. So, this would say, is it going to work? And you say, no. So turn to the person next to you and say, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. And the more you know about God, the more ridiculous his plan is. Then it continues in verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And if you watch baseball, you can imagine a pitcher winding up, and it's using imagery that we understand, and it's not some little white ball. It is a great storm on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatens to break apart. And in this story and through the Bible, storms serve the purposes of God. Let me just say that again. Storms serve the purposes of God. Then the mariners, a word for sailors, then the mariners were afraid. It zooms in on the boat. And what this is like, it's not saying the computer programmers who were also on the ship were afraid, which, you know, they just get afraid. The sailors, people who have made this their profession, who have seen winds and storms and seas, they are afraid. And each cried out to his God. And where I live, probably like here, there are people who believe all kinds of different things, and that's what it was like then. And they each say, yes, I have this deity, I have this connection to a place from somewhere, and maybe that God can help me now because I can't help myself. And so what they do when they get desperate they hurl, verse 5, they hurl the cargo that was shipped on the ship into the sea to lighten them. 
So things are so desperate, that cargo is their future, that cargo is their payday. When you are a professional fisher or sailor, you go out, you make a bunch of money, you go home for a little while, and then you go out and you make money again. So their future is going overboard. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, verse 5 and had laid down and was fast asleep. And you have this contrast where the sailors are freaking out. They we are going to die! <laughs> Throw everything overboard. And Jonah is probably swimming in a hammock, half asleep. They rushed down, the captain, verse 16, down and said to them, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So are you ready to hear Jonah pray? This is a prophet. This is what he does. They say, rise, call out to your God. And then they said to one another, and you're like, hold on. This is a prophet. This is what he does. And there is this intentional silence. When you're running from God, it's hard to pray to God. Amen, church? When you're running from God, it's hard to pray to Him. And the sailors, verse 7, said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Casting lots, what it's like is you have a stone and one side is red and the other side is white. And each person takes a turn and, you know, they throw it down. And even if you are the least superstitious person in the world, you pass the stone around the boat. White, 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 white. Jonah throws it down. What color? Red. And they want to know why this evil has come upon them. And there's this kind of humor running in the background because Jonah is supposed to go tell Nineveh about their evil. And then he's the one bringing the evil. Then verse 8, they said to him, and then there's this series of questions. If you can Imagine a group of sailors, their lives are in danger, their future is lost. The stone has come up red, and then Jonah is yawning, waking up, because <laughs> he was so soundly asleep. They said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? And he said to them, 
I am a Hebrew, his nationality, and I fear the Lord. That's a confession of his faith. And in this environment where people believe all kinds of things, he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Because back then, people thought that their God made this or that or had influence here or there. And the idea of one maker who rules and holds all things is completely different. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. You thought they were scared when the boat was breaking apart. And what it's like, do you ever watch those movies where someone is on the run and there is this powerful organization or government with almost limitless resources that's tapping into CCTV footage that anytime you turn your cell phone on or use an ATM, they know. And that's what these sailors hear. And they say, this person is out to get the guy on the boat with us. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may grow quiet, that the sea may quiet down for us? That's, that's not actually what they say. Because if you think there are winds, <laughs> there are waves, what shall we do? <laughs> it's how we talk at sporting events, in loud restaurants, when we're excited, when we're scared. What do we do that the sea may quiet down for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. That means wild. He said to them, pick me up. Hurl me into the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. It said this, story is about two discoveries, and this is the first discovery. And it's the discovery of self. Because if you had started this story, you say, hey, Jonah, who are you? He says, well, I am a prophet who fears the Lord. Two days before, Jonah, who are you? I am a prophet. I fear the Lord. I do what God wants. And then you're like, well, hey, what, what's about this ticket to Tarshish? Jonah, who are you? He says, I see Nineveh's evil, but I don't see my own. I need to go warn those people to change, and I'm completely blind about myself. But it's not just Jonah, it's the sailors. They are confident and strong until the storm comes, and then they're not. And then they have some generic belief 
in God, but when that isn't working, they're very happy to add another deity alongside, say, Jonah, maybe what you have will work. And then when they hear about this God who made heaven and earth, they completely freak out. And in this moment, everyone is discovering themselves. Everyone is discovering themselves. One of the messages that we hear in the world today is that if you truly discover yourself, you are on the doorstep of happiness. Because then you can be true and fulfill your desires and things will go well. And the Bible says something very different. It says, look, if you discover yourself, you thought that you were confident and you're obedient No, you're weak and you're going the wrong way. If you discover yourself, you realize that you have a problem and you have a problem with God. When you discover yourself, you realize that you have a problem with God. And there are three pictures of it in here. One is the person with their ticket stamped for Tarshish. This isn't like the small mistakes and then the course correction that we need to make. This is the husband ready to say goodbye to his wife and abandon his kids, and he has his ticket stamped. This is the person whose friend is in a hard spot, and they say, I will not go there with you. This is the person who says, God is clearly saying this. And I'm going the other way. Now Jonah has his ticket stamped for Tarshish. And I said, church, is it going to work? And you say, no. Some of you have your ticket stamped for Tarshish. And you think it's going to work. Church, is it going to work? No. And some of you are here because you've been to Tarshish. And you know that there is a mighty storm attached to fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And God says, don't get on that boat. Don't get on that boat. In fact, tell somebody, hey, I have a ticket stamped for And what's so amazing, there's this incredible honesty about Jonah without shaming Jonah. Do you see that? So honest, so realistic, but we can see ourselves there and we kind of laugh. We say, oh, that's me. I'm a prophet who fears the Lord running from the Lord. Somebody's got their ticket stamped for Tarshish. Somebody is like these sailors who have a generic belief in God until it doesn't work. I and I would be able to say, hey, you know, my God is the mountains. My God is the beach. It's great when your God is the beach until a hurricane comes. Then you're like, oh, that doesn't work. Maybe I need a real God. There's a third picture here, and this is 
Jonah asleep in the boat. He thinks he's okay. Is he okay, church? No. (laughs) He is not okay. There are these little hints. Wake up and pray for us, and we wait for Jonah to pray. What do we hear, church? Silence. You're a prophet. This is what you do. Job job description, number one, pray. (laughs) Jonah says, look, the problem is Nineveh. The problem is the storm. The problem is the sailors. All this deflecting. The problem is me. There is a discovery of self, and when you discover yourself, you realize you have a problem with God. So, on to the next discovery. Jonah says, throw me overboard. I finally see. Nevertheless, the men rode harder to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Oh, Lord! Not quiet, remember? Let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the original Hebrew, it cuts the chapter there, because cliffhangers are great. And it wants us to stop and say, okay, we, we discover ourselves, but here's the main thing. I learned this when I was preparing this sermon series In the book of Jonah, the fish is mentioned four times. That's what swallows Jonah, saves his life. The city is mentioned nine times. Jonah is mentioned 18 times. God is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. The fish gets four. The city gets nine. Jonah, 18 God, 38. Discovery of self and discovery of God in the storm. What we see about God is that God is powerful. They start off afraid of the storm. They start off And then they become exceedingly afraid when they realize there is a God who made heaven and earth. But the climax is when the storm stops. Because if you think about it, so we got little kids here, we're baptizing, we're praying. You just put a little kid in the bathtub, you look the other way, water everywhere. Because all I do is just splash a little bit. You say, stop. 
you, no one can stop water once it's moving, right? You can get the kid to stop, but you can't stop the water. God says, stop. Silence. You think a storm is scary. This is the God who rules heaven and earth. When we face problems, we say, what tools do I have at my disposal? How can I navigate this? What can I do? God has a set of tools beyond our understanding. God is powerful. First thing we discover about him. Second thing, he's merciful. Merciful, it's this meaning of kindness, but it's not just kindness in general. It's kindness to the undeserving. You may be familiar with the phrase aiding and abetting. So someone commits a crime and, you know, you don't do it yourself, but you're a part of it. And Jonah tells them, hey guys, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm fleeing from the Lord. Like, you got, you got money for the ticket? Come on. So God spares their lives, aiding and abetting. The other thing, do, do any of you know actual sailors? So there's this show called Wicked Tuna, and it's about people up from where I am, and it's fun, and it's interesting, but um, it's censored because every third word is, you guess it, boop, okay? And I think that's a pretty good idea of what sailors are like. And God says, who am I going to spare? Those who are completely ignorant of me and build their lives around foreign gods who aren't real. Those who actively help someone run away. Those who only call out to me in the last minute. And even then, they're not good kind of people. We see that God is merciful and when we Zoom in on Jonah. Check this out. The only time Jonah does what God wants is when he goes overboard. Now, some of you will know people like this. They say, if the ship's going down, I'm taking what? Everybody... With me. Maybe you've had bosses like that, been on a sports team like that. Maybe that's the story of your family. If the ship's going down, I'm what? Taking everybody with me. And the one time that Jonah listens, it gives us a window into God's mercy, and it points us forward to a prophet who gives their life according to God's call 
to save those who don't deserve it. We read about it in Matthew. Jesus says, you want to know who I am? Check out the sign of Jonah. Check out the sign of Jonah. The apostle Paul, he reflects on this. He says in Romans, he says, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible speaks of a God who isn't simply powerful but merciful and says, look, instead of having you pay for your wrongs because your choices matter, they impact you and the world around you. Instead of you paying for it, I will. And when you thought you were going to die and you turn to me, I will give you life, not through your own actions, but through the actions of another. We see a God who is merciful. And last of all, He's personal. They pray to Him. He hears. Then they turn to Him. The men feared the Lord. This is how Jonah described himself half-heartedly. They used to fear the storm, but then it says they feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This is the beginning of a relationship. And they don't know where it's going to go, but they say, I want life with you. And this text calls us, and the living God calls us, don't just discover yourself because all you realize is you've got a problem. Discover God. And if you're just starting out, it starts with information. The Lord of heaven and earth. Merciful, personal, powerful. It starts with fitting that together. What is God like if he meets me in a storm? If storms serve his purpose, you need the info, you fit it together. People say, oh no, if God cared, he wouldn't send storms. Yeah, right. God is not here to make your life comfortable and easy. God is at work so that you would discover him. Information, you fit it together, and then there's the call to actually follow to put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, I don't know what's on the other side of this storm, but I want life with you. And if you're at that point, you simply say that to God in your heart. Then you say it to others. Some of you say, well, hey, I've already discovered God. I'm set. And the funny thing, the guy who said that in the story I, I don't need to discover God. He's the guy who goes overboard. He is the guy who goes overboard. 
God is calling us to discover him in his world. In the stars that fill the sky and the waves that wash on the shore, to discover him in his word, where we know that he is merciful and personal, and then discover him in his ways, to look at our lives and to say, let me tell you how God met me in the storm. Because we know about this because Jonah writes about it. And two new things will happen after this discovery. First, there will be a new instinct. You've all heard of fight or flight, right? We see that in the story. Sailors fight, we can make it back to shore. Jonah, he's in the midst of flight. And when we know a God who is merciful, personal, and powerful... There will be a new instinct of faith. Jonah, wake up, cry out to your God, and instead of silence, there will be prayer. There's a new instinct for you to face all of the storms, and there is a new community. Because this whole time, Jonah's been lying to himself, and he's been lying to everybody else. Jonah does not like those evil people, and then he realizes he's evil, and he needs God's mercy. And sailors do not like self-righteous religious passengers who are sinking their boat and destroying their prophets. And they realize they're evil, and they relate to God by His mercy. There is a discovery, yes, of ourselves, but most of all, the God who is personal and merciful and powerful and calling us to new instincts and a new community. Don't wait for the storm. Discover Him now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who shows us your face. We see him dimly even here. And ask thou that as we turn to communion, to the Lord's Supper, that we would again discover you. In our Savior's name we pray and we look to the work of your Holy Spirit. Amen.